Well, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. I'm looking forward to our New Year's celebration at 8 p.m. I hope you are, too. Uh, Today, we're going to do something a little different. Uh, I have some handouts in the back. Maybe you've got them already. Um, Please get one if you haven't. It's going to be a shorter message, and and I want to encourage you to come back later for tonight's challenge and prayer time. So let's go before the Lord to bless our time in 2 Corinthians. You can start opening your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you once again for bringing us here as a body of Christ. We know that if it wasn't for you, by your grace, um, bringing us to yourself, we would have never chose you. And so help us today with this message. Help us to uh, apply what we learn. Uh, Convict us, Holy Spirit. Uh, Help me, Lord, to uh, preach your word faithfully. Lord, help us to really think about this topic uh, of pleasing you. Um, Lord, may it not just go out through one ear and out the other. Help us to see uh, our need uh, to please you and our need to uh, worship you and seek you. Oh, Lord, use this word for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is your goal for 2024? Let's be honest. Many of us make goals to go to the gym more, right? You really want to get buffed this year. You want to hit the bench press, maybe get uh, 200, 300. I don't know what's a good uh, weight number there. Um, maybe your goal is to eat healthier, right? Um, you're you're going to get down to size 36 instead of 38. Uh, or, or maybe it's to spend less time on your phone, right? You're watching too much uh, shows and you want to just say, all right, not that many movies this year, maybe only a couple on the weekends. One survey states that the average resolution lasts less than four months. Now, I'm not saying that you don't set up goals for the new year, but why not start a goal that has everlasting benefits? Why not make a goal that you will seek to do the rest of your life, not just in 2024? Most of our goals, they tend to be selfish or to please others. So the main question I want us to think about today is, who will you please in 2024? So let's read our main text for today and dive into the topic of pleasing, if you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9. Just one verse today. Let's read it. 2 Corinthians 5, 9. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. My goal for this message will be to answer six questions from this text. You're familiar with the questions that begin with who, what, where, when, and why, and and we're going to go a little out of order, but let's begin with the why, the first question. Why is this Paul's aim in life? Why is this a Christian's goal in life to please God? A quick uh, quick answer is that God has changed our hearts. Right? Ephesians 2.5 states that God made us alive in Christ. It's by his grace, by his mercy, that we have been born again. Christians want to please God because they love God. We have uh, counted the cost, right? Luke 9.23. It informs us that we're called to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus daily. All we want, if you're a Christian in life, is to serve God. We read in Philippians 3, 8 to 11, just how Paul has counted everything else as loss, as dung, for what? To know Christ and the power of his resurrection. 
Why is this desire to please God so important to have? Well, who you desire to please really matters. It will affect your life. It will affect your eternity. Now, look at 2 Corinthians again. We're going to look at it little by little here. Look at the beginning of verse 9 there. It states, Therefore, we also have as our ambition. All right, this word for ambition, it can be translated aspire. Some may aspire to be famous or rich in 2024, but what are the true aspirations of a true believer? Their strong desire is to please God. Beloved, what do you desire the most? Just think about that for a second. What do you desire the most? If it's not to please God, then there's something wrong in your heart. If you do not live your life to please God, your life will be filled with darkness. It will be a life wasted. And not only that, to live a life that is not pleasing to God has eternal consequences. We're going to observe this in the next verse. But for now, I want us to consider some good aspirations to have. We already mentioned the aspiration to please God. Paul in Romans 15, 20 states how he aspired to preach the gospel where Christ has not been made known, right? Paul wanted to make Christ known. He wanted to share the gospel in every place he can go, right? And so do you aspire to do the same in 2024? Do you aspire to share the gospel? Maybe you know someone that hasn't heard the gospel. Make it your goal this year to reach out to them. Another good aspiration is to work hard. 1 Thessalonians 4.10 uh, Paul there is exhorting the Thessalonians to excel, excel still more in loving one another. And then he says to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and to attend your own business and work with your hands. And so laziness should not be in our vocabulary in 2024. It's time to get off the couch and work for God. And so ask yourself, how are you in society? Are you good examples? Are you lights in the darkness? Can others see the love of Christ in you? Or do you depend on the world, right? Uh, you're not a diligent worker that is willing to give to those in need. And so we need to really examine ourselves, see if we have been diligent in our work. Believers, we have these good aspirations. So let me ask our first question again. Why, why is it our aim or ambition in life to please God? Because... Our life is all about God. Colossians 1.16 says, All things have been created through him and for him. Right? So if you thought life was about you, no. You need a reality check. Life is not all about you. Uh, I remember uh, in 2013, I needed that wake-up call. Uh, maybe you could relate to when you first became a Christian. Uh, you realize, wow, it's not all about me. It's about Jesus. And so... It says here in Colossians that it's all for him. Christ created us. We are his creatures. And so we ought to put Christ first. Let's continue to our next question. When is Paul's ambition to please God? When is it? Right? Was it Paul's desire to please God for a couple of years and say, all right, time to relax. This Christian life is getting a little tough. To behave rightly, to be holy for only... I don't know, one or two, three years, and then go back to his simple ways, persecuting the church? No. Paul's desire to please God was for the rest of his days. Look with me again to 2 Corinthians 5.9. It says, Therefore, we also have as our ambition, look at there here, 
whether at home or absent. Whether at home or absent. And so to better understand this statement, you need to look at the verses before, right? The context. Verse 1 of chapter 5 talks about this earthly tent that can be torn down. It is in this house that we groan. And so what's Paul talking about? Verse 6 and verse 8 makes it clear that he's talking about the body, right? This body that we live in right now. So when we read verse 9, we know that Paul is stating that his ambition is to please God for the rest of his days in this body. But not only that, he also says when he is absent from this body. So when he dies, right, whether he's alive or dead, you see, beloved, the desire to please God doesn't end when you die. True believers make it their goal in life to please God now and forever. It is not just what we want to do now. It's what we look forward to doing for all eternity. Now, Paul, if you know, it says it here in verse 7 and 8, he preferred to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. I mean, you can understand that, right? You want to be with Christ. But he understood that God had a purpose for him still on this earth. He knew that he could still be pleasing to God. And he made this similar statement to the Philippians. He said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, right, the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And then he gets into this this tension, right? He's pressed between these two tensions. He says, I don't know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed in both directions. Having the desire to depart and be with Christ, right? He's going through so much persecution. But not only that, he loves the Lord so much. You can't wait to see him, right? Maybe uh, you know some relative of yours that you haven't seen this whole year. And you just can't um, not look forward to seeing that person. Maybe on New Year's or Christmas, whatever it was. This is Paul's love and this is Paul's desire to see Christ, to be with him. And so he is hard-pressed between that, which is very much better, or the second one, to remain on in the flesh, to remain in the body, which is more necessary for your sake. So yes, he loves Christ, but he also loves his brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. And so Paul was certain that God will be glorified through his labor. He knew that he was going to use them as a vessel, as an instrument, so others can be saved and others can be encouraged and sanctified. And so a good question is, do you want that in 2024? Is it going to to be a year where you want to see your brothers in Christ uh, held accountable and encouraged in the faith, sanctified? Or is it going to be another year where you just go through the motions? Beloved, this is going to require some challenging work. You're going to have to start thinking about others more than you think about yourself. This is not going to be easy. But let me remind you, it is worth it. All right, go back to 2 Corinthians 5. Look at verse 9 again. I want us to observe uh, the verses here right after the main verse because it gives us another important reason that it should be our aim to please God. Look at verse 10 and 11 here. Another important reason. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. And so let's think about this. 
we will all appear before the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ. How you live your Christian life matters. If you're not living a life that seeks to please the Lord, you will suffer loss. I want you to consider what Paul says in his first letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 3, 13 to 15 says, Each man's work will become evident, for that day will show it, because it is revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which has built remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through fire. And then if you keep reading there, Paul is going to talk about the importance of holiness and how we are a temple of God and how the Spirit of God dwells in us. And so, beloved, how we live matters. Are we seeking to please God or will we suffer loss? We know that on Judgment Day, we are not going to be able to hide our hearts before God. He knows why we did the things that we did. He knows even the good things, uh, the reasons we did those things, whether it be going to church or, or talking about God. At the judgment seat of Christ, all will be revealed. But don't let that discourage you. Paul tells us this in 2 Corinthians, not only to warn us, but also to encourage us. God says here that will reward the faithful, right? You will be given um, good uh, for those that do good. And so may that motivate us to make it our aim always to please God. And if you read verse 11 there in 2 Corinthians, he also wants this to be the other people's goal. Notice Paul says, knowing the fear of the Lord, right? He is persuading men with this. And this fear of the Lord, this is a good thing to have, right? We're going to discuss this a little bit later, but for now, just remember that our aim should always be to please God. Next question. What are ways we can be acceptable to God? What are some ways we can be acceptable to God? Look with me again to 2 Corinthians 5, 9. The text says, therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, and there it is, to be pleasing. Now, Paul has used this word plenty of times in other letters, right? The word pleasing, it it means to be acceptable. Have you ever had uh, rotten milk? It is not pleasing. What do you do with it? You spit it out. It's it's disgusting. Similar to Revelation 3.16 with the people of the church of Laodicea, Jesus says, because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And so many of us, we buy into this cheap Christianity uh, where we learn that God is always pleased with us even when we sin. Well, it depends on what you mean. If you say that so boldly in your sin, here I am sinning, sinning, oh, God's pleased with me. You may not understand justification and sanctification. Of course, God is always pleased with us because of the sacrifice of Christ. That's about justification. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living a holy life before the Lord that is pleasing, right? This is about sanctification. We know that the Lord hates sin, and he disciplines his children in love. And so think about it like that for a moment. If you're a parent, you're always going to love your child. You're always going to love your child, but there are times when your child pleases you. Usually, when they obey and do what is right, uh, you know, during the time of dinner, uh, we have uh, little Sebastian uh, or Sophia, when they clean after their own plate, right, they put it in the sink. Uh, That is pleasing to us, right? They're they're doing what is right. Um, And that's just a small example. But when they disobey, 
Are we pleased with that? Of course not, right? God is not pleased when we sin. He is not pleased with that. And so the good news, of course, is that we have an advocate. Uh, We can confess our sins because he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But that doesn't mean we just jump into sin. Remember what Paul says to the Corinthians in his first letter. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be, Paul says. And so that goes for all sexual sin, fornication, lust, pornography. May it never be in 2024. God wants us to live a life pleasing to him, a life of holiness. And so let me give you some more examples of what is pleasing to God. Um, so we're going to look at this word here, pleasing. In Romans 12, 1 to 2, Paul says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. And here it is, acceptable or well-pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. He goes on to say, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, and here it is again, acceptable or well-pleasing, which is the will of God. So are you acting like the world, right? Given these verses that we just talked about, about do not be conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Are you acting like the world? Is your life filled with greed? What about your body? Is it pre- are you presenting it to the world as a, as a form of lust or sinful pleasure? Or is your body a living and holy sacrifice? You have a faith that works, a faith that trusts God in the trials, a faith that helps those in need, a faith that renews the mind daily with the word of God. Now that's real worship. When you present your life to the Lord in holiness, when you go to God and seek him daily, when you're growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control, are you ready to worship God in a pleasing manner in 2024? Another example we find in Scripture that is pleasing to the Lord is in Romans 14. It's talking about the weaker brother, right? There's, there's one that doesn't think they should eat a certain food, probably pig, and there's another that thinks it's okay. And so Paul here is telling us that God wants us to be in unity. He wants us to love one another and not cause our brother to stumble. And just because we disagree on these secondary theological issues, that doesn't mean we don't love on them. And so... Paul says in verse 19 there in chapter 14 of Romans, For he who is in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by man. And so ask yourself, are you divisive? Are you quarrelsome? Do you like the drama? Do you want to start a fight? Make it your goal in 2024 to stop it. Live in peace. Love on others. Don't think you're better than them. Some more ways to please God we see in uh, Hebrews 13, verses 15 to 16. I want you to go there. I think this will be key for us. Go to Hebrews 13. So a couple books to your right. Hebrews 13, verses 15 to 16. It says, Through him, then, Let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name and do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices God is what? 
God is pleased. And so a good question for us is if we are often complaining about our day, or are we thanking God for all that we go through? Make it your goal to thank God daily for everything that happens in 2024. I know it's not going to be easy, but God has a good purpose with it. Verse 16 there, it reminds us to be people who do good and share, right? That's pleasing to God. I'll give you just one example from the Philippians. In Philippians 4.18, we observe how Paul calls their gift a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. What, what was going on with Paul? He was under house arrest in Rome, and the church in Philippi desired to send Paul what we might call a care package. And the Philippian believers gathered supplies, and they sent them to Rome by a hand of one of their own. And they provided for Paul's needs. And so have you ever done that? Have you ever taken care of someone in great need? Whether it be your aging mother, whether it be uh, someone in the hospital, um, someone that was sick, you know, maybe you got them a cup of soup or something from Panera Bread, whatever it was. Have you been looking out to take care of those in need? God is well pleased with that. Uh, we know from the book of James, what is pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father? To visit widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Amen? So let's continue to our next question. We're almost wrapping up here, halfway through. So far, uh, we know that we should have a strong desire to please God because we belong to Him. That pleasing God should be our goal at all times. And holiness and loving others are ways to please God. But a good question of application is, where can we please God? Where can we be well-pleasing or acceptable? Um, I, I want to give you just four locations uh, that many of us can relate to. Let's begin with the first one here, uh, work. Uh, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you work in the city, uh, we all uh, work. And so we all encounter coworkers. The point I want to make is God is watching us and how we interact with those we work. He sees if you're loving your coworkers or if you're busy gossiping about them. How you treat your coworkers says a lot about your faith. If you're going to be pleasing to God, you're going to even love your enemies. And so you're going to be respectful to that boss that you don't like. Let's be honest, we all have that boss. Uh, you're going to look for ways to share the gospel with them. And we need wisdom in this area because it can be so easy to get distracted by unbelievers. They can easily influence us in a negative way. And so whether you have been at your job for years or you just started a new job, pray that the Lord will use you as an instrument to shine your light in the darkness. That he will give you opportunities to share the good news. Another location is your neighborhood. May we offer to help our neighbors if we see them struggling or if they're in need. Why not invite them to your church? Many, uh, maybe someone just moved into your neighborhood. Give them a welcome card or just knock on the door and say, welcome to the neighborhood. Think of ways that you can reach out to your community. Maybe it's your dentist or your doctor. Pray for them. Ask the Lord to give you the boldness to talk about Jesus. They say, how's your health doing? And you talk to them a little bit um, about your... Maybe your mental health, physical health, but also your spiritual health. An easy way to kind of uh, segue uh, to talking about things of God. Another location is at home. How is your marriage, right? Is it one that pleases the Lord? How about your children? Is it one that the Lord is pleased with how you instruct your kids? Do you take care of your aging father? 
How is your relationship with your brothers and sisters? Is the Lord pleased with how you treat your family? How about your cousins and that uncle? Have you shared the truth with them? Do you really care about them? One last location is the church. Uh, Do you care uh, for those in your church? Are you faithfully serving and attending your church? Is this just a place you come to get a religious boost, or is it a people that you have grown to love and want to love on more? And so we should seek to please God everywhere we go, home, work, with our neighbors, church. The list can keep going at school, business trips, at the grocery store, in our cars. Let's continue to our next question. And this one is really the main, the main one. Who should we seek to please? 2 Corinthians 5.9. How does that end there? You can go back there for one last time. How does it end in 2 Corinthians 5.9? It says, Therefore we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to me, to be pleasing to you, to be pleasing to him, to be pleasing to God. We already know the answer to this question, but we need to meditate it on some more. Who are we pleasing? Who will you please in 2024? Ourselves? Others? Or is it God? There's only one correct answer. Let's be honest. We usually seek to please ourselves, right? Well, let me give you some warnings in Scripture if we do that in 2024, if we continue that. James 3.16 For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder in every evil thing. And so there's no peace in living for self. There is only evil and chaos. When we seek to please ourselves, we're actually acting like false teachers. 2 Timothy 3.2 says, For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. So we need to ask ourselves, "Am am I a lover of self or am I a lover of God? Romans 2.8, but to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, what's the result? Wrath. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil. Now that's a scary picture. If we continue to live for ourselves, wrath awaits us. One last verse, Philippians 2.3 says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. And so what's your mindset going to be in 2024? Will it be all about you? It shouldn't be. We need to start thinking about others like Christ did. Another trap we can fall into is the fear of man. We may not only seek to please ourselves, many times we seek to please others, but we do it in a sinful way. I want us to consider some questions and quotes from Ed Welch in his book, When People Are Big and God Is Small. So here's some questions, and this is going to be a lot of Ed Welch here. Do you find it that it is hard to say no, even when wisdom indicates that you should? Are you a people pleaser? If self-esteem is a reoccurring theme for you, chances are that your life revolves around what others think. You reverence or fear their opinions. You need them to fill you up. Are you always second-guessing decisions because of what other people might think? Are you afraid of making mistakes that will make you look bad in other people's eyes? 
Do you easily get embarrassed? If so, people and their perceived opinions probably define you. Or to use biblical language, you exalt the opinions of others to the point where you are ruled by them. Do you ever lie, especially the little white lies? What about cover-ups where you are not technically lying with your mouth? Lying and other forms of living in the dark are usually ways to make ourselves look better before other people. They also serve to cover our shame before them. Are you jealous of other people? You are controlled by them in their positions. Do you, other people make you angry or depressed? Are, you, are they making you crazy? If so, they're probably the controlling center of your life. Do you avoid people? If so, even though you might not say that you need people, you are still controlled by them. The desire for the praise of man is one of the ways we exalt people above God. Maybe you compare yourself with other people and, and you say, oh, I feel good about myself because I'm not like them. Your life is defined by other people rather than God. And so, do you have that fear of man? Let's be honest, we all do to a certain extent. Um, he goes on in the book talking about evangelism. One of the reasons we don't do it is because we fear man. And uh, I'll share one verse from Proverbs 29, verse 25. It says, the fear of man brings a snare but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. So if you continue to live to please others, you will not run this race properly, beloved. You will trip and fall and fail. God doesn't want you to fear man. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. Who should we fear? Who should we seek to please? But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And so like the Proverbs stated, trust in the Lord. We do not need the fear of man in our lives. We need the fear of the Lord. We, we learn about that in the book of Proverbs, that that's wisdom, right? The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. When we depart from evil and we follow God, we acknowledge that he is holy, holy, holy. Galatians 1.10 says, for, I am not, for am I now seeking the favor of man or of God? Where am I striving to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Evidence that you've been saved is a healthy fear of the Lord and a lack of the fear of man. It should be God alone we seek to please in 2024. Now I want you to listen to some more suggestions from Ed Welch uh, to develop a healthy fear of the Lord. He writes, God must be bigger to you than people are. So meditate on the creation psalms, right? He, he is creator, and so we ought to seek to please him, not creatures. Meditate on the enthronement psalms. Know that God is king. We ought to please him, not others. Meditate on Psalm 139. God's providence is so extensive, it goes into all the details of our lives. And so God is sovereign. Please him. You also can meditate on God's majesty and holiness and Review the New Testament passages on hell, right? And, we, and there, as we do that, we learn there's only one worthy of praise. There's only one worthy of our worship. There's only one worthy that we ought to seek to please for eternity, and that's God. That is what we're called to do, to please God. Which brings us to our last question. So we answered the who, what, where, when, and why. Let's answer the How? How can we please God in 2024? I have three ways we can please God. The first way is especially important. So listen up. It's through Christ. You must be born again. 
You cannot please God if you're not a part of the people of God. This brings us back to our justification discussion. The only way God can be pleased with us is through the sacrifice of Christ. Right? He is our propitiation, the satisfaction for our sins. Without Christ, we have no hope in pleasing God. Our good works are like filthy rags before God without Christ. And so before we try to please God, we need to place our faith in God's Son in whom he is well pleased. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. So if you haven't done this in 2023, do it now. Place your faith in Christ alone. Repent of your sins. Believe that Christ came to save sinners like you. He died on the cross for you so you can be forgiven of all your sins. So he didn't just die there just to uh, be an example of his love for us. No, he, he actually did mission accomplished. It was because of our sins that we deserved God's wrath. And what Christ did there uh, was satisfy the wrath of God for us. And so uh, it was... Not just my hell, it was also your hell. He, he took upon your sins, he took upon my sins. And so we need to recognize that um, and, and say, thank you, Lord. He didn't, he didn't just die, though. He rose again from the dead three days later. And that means God accepted the sacrifice. Christ lived a perfect life. No sin since he was a baby till he was 33. Christ conquered the grave. And so we can have hope in him alone. The second way to please God that I have for us here is by being like Christ. Uh, It brings us back to the sanctification discussion. Will you be humble and willing to serve in 2024? God is pleased with this broken and contrite heart, Psalm 51 says. He wants us to depend on him daily. We need to stop it with the pride and start to depend on God daily. We need to rely on him as our daily bread. And so God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. May we not forget his example of humility, right? This is Christ who, in John 13, gives us the example of washing the feet of his disciples. And this is what he says, If I then, the Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And so think about it. The king of kings did the task of a lowly slave, of a servant. He did a nasty task, too, of washing feet. He was willing to do what others thought they were too good for. Right? That's too low of a task for me to do. That's someone else's job. No. He did it. And so how can we not respond in humility, in humble obedience? If the Lord was willing to serve, how dare we act like we don't have time to do that? So please, God, by having this mind of Christ, you're willing to obey. But the last way, which kind of goes hand in hand with this one, to please God in 2024 is to do like Christ. We need to be humble to serve, right? Have that willing heart. Okay, Lord, I'm ready to do as you call me to do. But we also must do it, right? We must serve. We should seek to obey God's will like Christ did and love others to death like Christ did. We know the greatest commandments. Jesus says in Matthew 22, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so, beloved, we need to be reminded of this. To love God and love your neighbors in 2024. 
Don't sleep on these commandments. Obey them. Remember the words of Christ in John 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that you lay down your life for your friends. And so if you're still alive, then you are not done loving. In 2024, obey this commandment of Christ. It's not going to be easy, but may God give us the grace to love others. And so let me encourage you with this scripture that teaches that it is possible to please God because God will work in you. Many times we we try to muster the energy and strength. I'm going to please God. I'm going to do it. But we forget it's, it's by God's grace. We need him to change our hearts. We need him to work in us. All right? And so we need to, like I said, be humble before the Lord, and then he'll exalt you. Look at Philippians 1.6. It says, He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. We, we have this promise that if he started a work in you, he will finish it. If you're a believer... Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. God has a purpose with you. God has given you a gift, and he's going to use it. And so you need to just humbly obey him and do as he's called you to do. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's God who's working on you. Right before that, it says, uh, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But we know that it's still God who has to do the work in us. Without him, we won't be able to work out our salvation. Lastly, Hebrews 13, 20 to 21. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, what does it say here? The God of peace, equipped you in every good thing to do his will. And here it is, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So how can we please God? The answer, again, is God. He gets all the glory. We need God to shape us and mold us into the image of Christ. But we must submit to him. We need to listen to him. We need to give it our all, like James says. Let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let endurance have its perfect result. The trials are going to come, but God's going to use it to mold you. And so humbly obey, humbly submit to his will. In conclusion, we learn that our aim should be to please God because life is all about God. We should always seek to please God. We can please God with acts of holy worship everywhere we go. And we should seek to please God, not ourselves and others. And we can do this through Christ and his example of humble obedience and love. And so let's make it our goal in 2024 to glorify God with good works. I'll end with this last verse, Ephesians 2 time. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Amen? Let's walk in them in 2024. Let's pray.